Okay, you've done that? Say something really good. Like, you know what? I love the way you do this. Say something positive. You know what? The Bible doesn't tell us to correct each other. The Bible tells us to encourage each other, to spur each other on, to tell each other how good you are, not how bad you are. Okay. You got that? Right. Now, turn around. Face me, please. How many people found hearing something good about themselves difficult? Yeah? Yeah? Not many more. How many people found it really good? Yeah. It makes you feel good, right? Well, here's the weird thing. I might be weird. But I might be different. Good to see. Why don't you do that when I'm preaching other times? I don't get any yep, hallelujahs. I just get it when I talk about me. So I got a feeling that I might be different to you because you see, inside me, I really want people to tell me how good I am. Right? I like people to tell me how, thank you, Grant, but you're good today. Hallelujah. Right. So I, I like that. I long for that. I want people to do that. But when people do, I go, oh, yeah, not really. Yeah, that's, yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, we have these negative, straight away we either try to put it back down or we find excuses for it or we say, oh, yeah, I'm not really... We, we put ourselves down. Or maybe we, we, don't, we find fault in it. You see, the problem is that in our heads, they tell me, I don't know who counted it, and there is some description, dis, discrepancy about this, but I believe that you have sixty to 70,000 thoughts about yourself every day. Now, I've seen some young people on computer games and I don't think they're thinking that much. <laughs> but they do suggest that you have 60 to 70,000 thoughts about yourself every day. And most of those thoughts, so they tell me, are negative thoughts. They're thoughts about you're too fat, you're too skinny, you've got no, your hair's wrong, your hair's not right, your hair's the wrong colour, that we're constantly thinking about ourselves. And so when someone comes along and tells us that you're actually a good, which you want people to do, we actually think to ourselves, so what do you want? What are you about? Or you're just saying that. Or you're just being nice. Or, well, you don't really know me. Or, yeah, if you really knew who I was, you probably wouldn't say that. We find reasons for it because, you see, inside us, we don't have a good sense of identity. Generally speaking, you might, but I'm talking about weird me, right? So I go, God, when I hear all these things about who I am in Christ, a lot of it's going in my ear, but it's not going in my spirit. So when you hear those things this morning, that God holds you in his hands and you go, oh, that's nice, but that can't be me. That's Luke. No, he wouldn't be holding me in my hands. It must be Luke he's holding in his hands because, golly, if he wouldn't want to show me off. No way. You see, the truth of the matter is that the reason we don't hear some of that stuff into our spirit is because there's a block in the way. 
And God, I think, wants to take that block out because he wants his church, he wants you and me to really rise up into the people he's called us to be and not sit down in our, down here and pretend we're not. And be, I don't want to say that I'm, a, I'm victorious because I keep failing, so I better not say that. No, you are victorious. The Bible says you are. I want to take you to a scripture because I was praying through this. Because here's an interesting thought. If you read in the scripture in John where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we all go, yeah, he's right. Jesus is the light of the world. I, he came and he shone and everybody saw him and he was the light of the world. I have no problems with that. But keep reading. You are the light of the world, he then goes on to say. Oh, me. Now, that's a little bit different. Uh, maybe I, I should be a light. I know I'll be a light one day, but phew, I'm not a light of the world now. He says, you are the light of the world. He says, he's an overcomer. Guess what? He also says, you have overcome. He says that, that he can do all things. And later on, he says, greater things who you do and see. Whoa, I can get it with Jesus, but for me... That's a little bit different. So I asked myself the question, God, what is it? Because I want to be the person that lives a transformed life in my new identity and being the person because I keep failing, God. Why do I keep failing? Monday morning I was here praying and I was reading some scripture and it brought me to tears as I read this scripture because it challenged me. And I want to read this scripture to you today. Because I think this is the end of the series that God wants to put to us. Psalm 103. Beautiful psalm. Open up your Bibles. Read it with me. It's a fantastic psalm. And if you can't get excited with this psalm, then put an electric thing on your heart or something and get back to life. Because it is powerful. Listen to this. Listen to this. Psalm 103. Let's read the whole lot. Oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I bless his holy name. My soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins. Hey, David wrote this. This is back before Jesus died on the cross. Mm. But he says, he forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. Oh, gee whiz. He crowns you with love and mercy. A paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. He knows your youth. You're always young in his presence. God makes everything come right. Am I reading a different one to you? I am reading a different one, am I? Okay, here we go. Oh, there we go, that's better. Right. He redeems you. Okay. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. He renews your youth. 
You're always young in his presence. God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their back on their He showed Moses how he went about his work, opened up his plans to all Israel. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold nor hold grudges forever. That is your God. That is your God. And it keeps on going. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pays us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heavens is over the earth, so strong is his love to those who fear him. And as far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated from our sins. But a storm snuffs them out just as quickly, leaving nothing to show they were here. God's love, though, is ever and always eternally present to all who fear him, making everything right for them and their children as they follow his covenant ways and remember to do whatever he says. God has set his throne in heaven. His rules over us all. He is the king. So bless God, you angels, ready and able to fly at his bidding, quick to hear and do what he says. I want to ask you a question today. Whose crown are you wearing? Because this is what God hit me with when I was sitting in the front of the church here on Monday morning. It says he has crowned you with love. He has crowned you with love. Later on in another psalm, he says, he has crowned you with victory. And I'm thinking, God, my crown has slept a bit. He has crowned you. See, the concept of a crown was a crown gave you an identity. Your crown, I'm, you know, you saw when they put the crown on Queen the Queen, and you've seen that, the movie, The Crown, and they put the crown on her head, and she becomes queen, right? She's now been set apart by God and by man to be queen. The crown is her symbol. That's significant. See, she has the crown. She wears the crown when she makes significant rules. She has the crown, you have a crown, which is your authority. It's your position. It's your identity. It has something. In those days, they wore crowns at weddings to show who you were, to show your glory. And you have been given a crown, Jesus says, or the scripture says. You have been crowned. But I sat there and I thought, you know what? The problem is you can't wear two crowns. You can only wear one crown. Whose crown am I wearing? And what crowns do I need to take off so I can pick up the crown that God has for me? Because we've all got crowns. So your crown could be the crown of the crown of what you've achieved in life. Wow, I've done this and I've done that and I've got this doctrine and I've got this particular, um, these 
qualifications and I've done this in life and I've done that in life. I've been in a youth ministry. I've run this. I've achieved that. And I've got these crowns on my head and I want everyone to see my crown. And God says, great, that's your crown. Maybe your crown isn't your achievements. Maybe your crown is your spiritual gift. Well, I'm a prophet. I'm a healer. I'm a pastor. I'm a priest. And we put these crowns on and we wear the gifts that God's given us as our crown. Or maybe the crown that we've got on is a crown of pity. Oh, woe is me. Everyone knows that I do it tough and I wear my crown of pity. How you say, oh, I'm not too good. My crown's come back on again. Look at my crown of pity. Everything's against me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going down to the garden. That's the one. Or maybe it's the crown of the victim. Oh, everything's against me and I can't get this. And, and I wear my crown of a victim. Or maybe I wear my crown of sorrow. Because I'm still grieving over something. And I wear my crown of sorrow. And that's actually okay to grieve. We're supposed to grieve. It's supposed to, but not to wear it for all our lives. There's a time and a season for it, for healing but there's a time where we go, yep, yeah, it still hurts. It still hurts, but that's not my crown. I still live with that. I miss, but it's not my crown. You see, there's crowns that we wear. And when we wear our crown, we cannot put on God's crown. When I wear my crown of unforgiveness, I cannot put on the crown of forgiveness. If I'm wearing my crown of selfishness, I cannot put on the crown of love. If I put on a crown of, of protecting myself, I cannot put on his crown. And the thing that hit me was, Steve, whose crown are you wearing? And what crowns do you need to put down? In Revelation, Revelation 4, it says, 4 verse 10, that the 24 elders, they fell down and they worshipped the one sitting on the throne. And he had a lot of crowns. And they laid their crowns before the throne and said, holy, holy, holy. They took their crowns off and they said, I'm going to put that down right there. I'm going to put that one down because his crown is so much more significant. Which crown am I wearing? Am I wearing my crown? Because you see, God has given you a crown, an identity. And he wants us to have that. You're a child of God. You're, you're forgiven. You're, you're, you are an ambassador for Christ. We've been through that. You have been... Remember, we started off this series with the story of Acts. Silver and gold I don't have. This world doesn't need what you don't have, which is silver and gold. What this world needs, but that which I have. What do I have? My identity in Jesus Christ. That's what you have to offer this world. And if we don't grasp it, we've got nothing to offer. Who you are in Christ. But what are you going to put down to accept it? And I sense that was the word that the Lord said to me. What are you going to put down? There's a great story. And you'll find it in Genesis and it's the story of, um, of Jacob and Rachel. And Rachel and Jacob uh, married, right? That was his loved 
one he really wanted to marry, but he got tricked and married Leah instead. And he's got Rachel and she couldn't have any kids until she suddenly gave birth to Joseph, which became special later on. You'll know the significance of that. But then she gave birth to another child. Now, Jacob was absent at the time of the birth. He was busy somewhere else and he couldn't get home in time for the birth. And Rachel had a difficult birth, as you might remember, and she ends up giving birth to this little boy. And just as she does, in her last dying breath, she gives this child a name and she dies. And she gave this boy a crown, an identity, a name. And the name was Ben-On, Oni, Ben-Oni which basically means son of my sorrow. He was crowned with a situation that went bad. He was crowned with what we might call, he was crowned with, he was scripted by the events that have happened already in his life. He was now going to be named for the rest of his life as the son of my sorrow. What's a bad thing to carry, right? But some of us carry the names of our experience. Some of us are carrying the names and the identity of things that have happened way back there. Neglected, abused, whatever it might be. And I carry that name. And I've got that name marked on my head. That's my identity. But you see, Jacob turned up just after that. And he went, no, I ain't going to have that. And he changed it. He said, no, the child shall be called Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. I love this concept because, see, Ben stayed the same. But the last part changed. You see, he was still a son. But instead of being the son of sorrow, he was going to be a son of the right hand. Now, the right hand is the place of authority. The right hand is the place of honour. The right hand is the place of respect. The right hand is the one that's going to take the inheritance. And you have not been named by the name of your past experience anymore. Because, you see, the Father God turned up. And he said, no, that's not your name anymore. Your name, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name now because you've accepted me as your Lord and Saviour. I've got a new name for you. How many new names did Jesus give, did God give to people? I mean, Jacob ended up being called Israel. I mean, Jacob fought with God. He was a guy that ran after everything, and he got everything he wanted, and he, and he, he, he even you know, got a blessing that he sneaked off his brother, and he did everything in his own strength. He was a self-made man, and then he realised that wasn't good enough, so he went and fought with God, and he said, I will not leave you. And God said, okay, I'll give you a new name. No longer will you be called Jacob, you're going to be called Israel. Woof, that's pretty cool. Paul, who was Saul, killed a lot of people. And Jesus turned up and said, I've given you a new name. Simon ended up being called Peter, a new name. God wants to give you a new name. You don't have to have that title anymore. But the challenge this morning, before we leave this particular part of our series, as we move on to a new series, which is going to be called Shifting the Goalposts, I do want you to ask this question. What crowns have you got on? 
because you can hear what we've said and you can believe in the scripture, but it doesn't become yours until you're prepared to put something else down. What do you have to put down? I wrote a whole heap of things I had to put down on Monday and God's still working on it. You know, I, I, yesterday, Mark and I were down at Nunosia and we stayed, we camped out at Nunosia on Friday night. It was awesome. And I went outside and at, late at night and the stars were amazing. And in the, just near us was a monastery and the bell was ringing and I was thinking of the monks that would have, would have just waited upon God. And I looked into the stars. It was like the Lord saying, Steve, this is what I want you to do. Spend more time hearing me tell you who you are, not listening to what the world tells you who you are. I want you to hear what I call you. See, the greatest thing that we have is when I say, when I say, God says I am, fill in the blanks. Who does God say you are? Who does God say you are? Team, could you come up? We're going to finish off this series today. And I'm going to ask you today, as you stand with me right now, consider what are the things that you need to put down? I'd, but Steve, you know what? I've lived with that for years and I like that. Well, that's great because you're missing out. But what do you need to put down? What, what stuff do we need to put down? Disappointments, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, your achievements, all those stories you keep repeating about how good you are. What would you put down so that God can actually put his crown of love? He says he's got a crown of love. He's got a crown of forgiveness. He says the crown of righteousness he talks about. Crown of victory. If you look through the scriptures, there's a whole bunch of crowns that are given you. But you can't take them if you've already got your own crowns on. Let's stand together. And I just want to read through a whole bunch of I am statements. They're a whole heap. And as I finish that, and you might read them with me, because this is what the Bible says about you. These are your crowns. This is your identity. This is your new name. And you might read it and go, yeah, that's cool. But would you own it? Because you can't own it until you put it down other stuff and take up this new one. Father, I'm going to ask now as we stand here and as we lay our crowns before you, our titles, our identity that we've hung on to, that identity we've tried to build up. We've tried to build it up in our own strength. We've, we've created it in ourselves. God, I want to lay that down. I want to put that crown down at the foot of the cross. I want to put that crown down before you. I want to let go of that. I want to take on what you say that I am. He says, I am loved, 1 John 3. I am accepted, Ephesians 1. I am a child of God, John 1. I am Jesus' friend, John 15. I'm a joint heir with Jesus, Romans 8. I'm united with God, 1 Corinthians. I am a temple of God. I'm a member of Christ's body. 
I am a saint. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in Jesus Christ. I am free from condemnation. I am a new creation. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I am established, anointed and sealed by God. I do not have a spirit of fear, but a love, power and a sound mind. I am God's co-worker. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. I have direct access to God. I am chosen to bear fruit. I am one of God's living stones. I have been given exceedingly great and precious promises by God by which I share His nature. I can know the presence of God. God works in me. I can ask God for wisdom and He will give me what I need. Father, these are your promises. This is Scripture. This is what the Word said. Would you take it like a two-edged sword and would you take it deep into my spirit? Because I want to receive that. Help me put down those things that I've owned for years so that I can receive the things that you want to give us afresh today.